Hey there, it's JVL. On the show today, Sarah Longwell and I talked about the debate and the mugshot and the all, all of the bad things from this week. Here's the show. Okay, uh, talk to me about Scott a little bit, because on the one hand, he should drop out if we want to consolidate. On the other hand, his incentives are to keep running because he wants to be vice president, which mystifies me, uh, but also because he only has one funder that really matters, which is Larry Ellison. And as long as, as Larry Ellison is going to pour Oracle money into this, then uh, instead of on his yacht, then uh, Tim is good to go. Is that a problem that you can't move him out? It is a problem. Um, I think it depends on what the dynamic, if there's any dynamic shift after this. I, I suspect there's going to be some toward Nikki. And uh, you're right, though, that he wants to hang in for the VP slot. And so I don't know that he gets out. Um, but he could bleed, like he could go from, so his stakes were high as we articulated on Wednesday's show, because I thought he was best poised to move into the second place spot along with Vivek. Like it was sort of unclear uh, which way that could go. And the reason is, is is actually from an evangelical standpoint, he is the evangelical that seems to be the most of interest to the folks in Iowa. And so you're really at this point, it's all a question of Iowa, not everywhere else. Um, Because like, Chris Christie's in second place in New Hampshire and nobody thinks that means anything about the race. Um, But if somebody beats him or, uh, you know, it becomes a two person race in Iowa, that's sort of the the big stand. I don't think that happened for him though. Right. I think that the opposite happened. I don't think anybody, I don't think any money's suddenly moving. I actually think Nikki's fielding a lot of calls from donors who are getting into their fantasy about like, okay, maybe this is how, yeah. The it. people who were looking at Glenn Youngkin a week ago are That's now right. thinking maybe she can do it, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, and her big stand on Israel against Vivek, I guarantee you she is getting uh she's getting calls from a ton of people, the foreign policy folks. Like there's just a lot of institutional donors who are gonna really, really be amped up by what she said and putting that like pipsqueak Vivek in his place. They're gonna love that. Uh and they are the donors are just a different breed than the voters like the voters i've been very surprised by how much they are not that into nominating a woman um whereas the donors will like it very much Mm. uh and so anyway i think she's getting lots and lots of calls and i think she'll get money to stay in i think that pence's money's gotta dry up uh at some point but i got you know this is one of the weird dynamics of this race which is both in scott's case and in pence's case too like he's just been around a long time and there are donors who will fund him to be Mike Pence in this race, right? To just have his voice, even when people are booing him excessively because they think it's valuable. Just the way Chris Christie has a pocket of donors for people who think his existence in this race is valuable. I was among those people. Um, I think if we continue to see what that was, that's not useful. Um, So at some point, unless resources just continue to flow to everybody and everybody can hang into a lot but like the donors are at least strategic enough to say you got to get out there's got to be some consolidation uh and it just wouldn't surprise me if people started to think the consolidation should be around nikki yeah i mean the problem is that we're 
quickly going to be in a world where the top three candidates are Trump, DeSantis, and Vivek. Yeah. No, I think that's right. <laughs> so, I mean, this is... <laughs> This is the world we live in. Here, I want to I want to bring something up to you because you, you mentioned I talked a little bit about this last night with uh, Mona and Bill. Um, so Vivek got a lot of booze mixed with his cheers. Do you know who else got a lot of booze mixed with his cheers during primary debates in 2016? Who? Donald Trump. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but Donald Trump got booed for making fun of Carly Fiorina's face. Oh, yeah. He got booed in South Carolina for saying that George W. Bush lied about WMDs. Uh, and all of those positions are now dogma right. in Republican politics, right? They booed him a little bit at first, but the truth was he was where most of the, of the actual voters were, not like the elite types who show up to to debates. I think that's what Vivek did well. Um like I, I think the truth is the Republican Party is clearly moving at the voter level, not the institute. You know, like Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to defund Ukraine. Mitch McConnell doesn't want to, but Republican voters are basically there, uh, and not all the way. But that's you know they're at like fifty fifty, and it's moving in that direction. And if you have Vivek and Trump and DeSantis. Who are the three people they like best, all making noises about that, they're going to follow those guys, right? Yeah, so this is where I felt like the crowd was a bit of a, like, I don't know if the term is false flag, but it was like a false indicator. Because I know from listening to these voters, Nikki was getting wild cheers for her defense of Ukraine against Vivek. And I know that's not where voters are. (laughs) I have been listening to voters say the opposite for, and so I was a little bit like, you know, I think this might give people a little bit of false hope because they are much more where Vivek, not exactly where Vivek is, um, but they're much more in the we need to take care of. Uh, I think this was DeSantis, um, really more like where DeSantis is, which is we need to focus on here at home. Invading Mexico. at our southern border. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do love, like, are they going to invade Mexico? This was a... Seemed like a pretty big policy proposal to drop. Uh, sure did. Got no questions about it. This is in the same way that Vivek says this is fucking Brett Bear and Martha McCallum. Two of the worst moderating performances I've ever seen. Vivek says, I'm going to cut the federal budget by 75%. And they don't ask a follow-up question of, How? Sir, <laughs> sir, 75% of our budget goes to the combination of Social Security, Medicare, and Defense. Which of those are you going to eliminate? That means you need to eliminate two of those in addition to everything else in order to get to your reduction. Sir, which of those do you think that might be a piece of information that Republican voters might want to hear? But they just, you know, sat there and nodded along. Oh, that crazy scamp up there. My favorite part is when Brett Bear was like, turned to the audience because the audience was rowdy and was just like, we just need to get through this part. Uh, And I thought that was a good uh like metaphor for the entire republican project at this point where everybody's we just need to get we just need to get through this part (laughs) but this part means a decade (laughs) it is a decade it is uh but the weariness of (laughs) bear uh especially because uh it was funny though like the, the whole thing was so stupid, but there were some surprises, mainly that like Mike Pence was the one who absolutely refused 
to follow the rules with the dinging, like that says your answer is over. Like he kept going over time and being very aggressive. And I was like, this is because Mike Pence speaks at the the speed of a turtle walking. And so he can't possibly fit his answers in within the ding. Uh, But he was like fighting, you know, they kept having to be like, Mr. Vice President. Uh, Yeah, no, they were terrible moderators. Uh, And the questions, it's so funny how it's, you can just see the room of people who are like, you know, we need to ask some substantive questions uh, because we are, we are substantive people. Mm. Uh, But, you know, we need some for the people that aren't us. And that's why we're going to start with the Northmen of Richmond and end with UFOs. When Chris Christie was like, you're going to give me the UFO question. I was like, Christy, you sh- this is where you should yell at them. Like, yeah, th- but he doesn't because people think that stuff is like cute. Uh, but it's so dumb. It was all it was all so beneath. Uh, and anyway, I just I have I have so many thoughts about this debate. I have. Let me just run. Through, like, give me all of them. Well, so, so some of it is don't hold this, back. Is that half of them were debating a thing that is, it was like 2008 and Nikki Haley's talking about our debt. You know, I, I will say though, I, I was revisiting some of Nikki's answers and a bunch of them were good. Um, like good to me, to me. Yeah. Which uh, means bad for her perspectively in the denominating contest. Like I don't know if you saw this, Mona on Slack. Mona was so funny. She's like, I just assume that any answers that I think are good mean that the candidate is losing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good thing to check our own instincts. But but her, her answer on the debt, which was to say that both Republicans and Democrats were responsible, true. True. Uh, and I can sort of see their strategy session of we need to find a place to hit Republicans. Like everybody understands now that hitting institutional Republicans are good. Um, and so they picked that. I don't think they quite have the code down, uh, but... It was it was absolutely correct. Um, her Ukraine answer was good. She also said about Donald Trump. Uh, what did she say? She, oh, she said he'd lose. She was very clear that uh, if like the most unpopular politician in America, that he's she the most unpopular. That. Yeah, she did. And so um, anyway, I, I just I, I but 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 so she, so she, I thought she was good. At the same time, to when because Trump wasn't there, Vivek is being a chaos agent. It was like a big, like Christie and Pence and, uh, and Haley and Scott, they're all these before time politicians. And so it's like a debate from 2008 where they're talking about the national debt and they're talking about foreign policy in a way that would appeal to voters in 2008. And they absolutely don't anymore. And so it was like they were taking place in two different eras, right? Where then you've got Vivek and DeSantis giving like totally different, like living in a totally different planet. And the problem is, is that it was like uh, one of the Pablo said something like this that I thought was a, was the right formulation, which is like, it's like they're in black and white. And uh, he was talking about Trump, but like- That Vivek- was Tim. That was Tim who said that. He's going to be oh. so hurt when you oh. credit one of the pod bros for okay. that. Okay, sorry. Uh, but like Vivek was like in full color, right? Yeah. There's just like this, he's jumping off the stage and you're mad at him, but you're focused on him. And the Republic, people don't understand how much the Republican primary is now an attention economy, right? It's an entertainment oh, yeah. economy and it's not about the substantive answers. So we can sit there and be like, boy, Nikki Haley gave some really good substantive answers. Uh, and I think that helps her with a certain class, but like 
that's not the point for the most part of the Republican primary. Uh, and that's where Vivek, and that's where Tim Scott, Tim Scott was just, when you're barely there, like he just was losing the attention economy or he's losing that attention race. And he lost it like maybe more than even Doug Burgum, who was just happy to be there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These are all my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Uh, they, they basically yours. Um, good night for Trump. I think, uh, even if he hadn't counter programmed it, he was right not to be there. There's no reason for him to be there. Uh, and what I said yesterday, I, I thought about this a lot. Um, the fact that they did not know how to handle Vivek and by handle Vivek, I mean, beat Vivek within the terms of a Republican debate with Republican voters, right? They, nobody on stage knew how to do that means to me and signals to me that there's absolutely no way that any of them could have handled Trump had he been there because Trump just does the Vivek thing. Like you just, you know, this is easy. You people are stupid. These people are corrupt. I'm just going to shout and talk over people. And they, you know, they're engaging with Vivek in, again, as if it's a normal debate, as if they're in a democratic debate with democratic voters listening to them. And that's not what the voters they have chosen to ask for support value. Right? I mean, this is, you know, she's, she, Nikki Haley was defending the Biden administration's handling of Ukraine, in essence. She didn't frame it that way, but that's, that's what she was doing. And those, those Republican voters are not interested in that. Um, the base voters who make up the majority of the party that are yeah. basically in every poll, uh, Going for Trump. Oh, my God. Did you see? I think you did because I think it was in the Slack. Hugh Hewitt being like Trump relatively weak in Pennsylvania. There was like a new Pennsylvania poll in the primary. <laughs> it was like relatively weak. And I was like, he's up by 18, bro. Well, look, in Hugh's defense, in Louisiana, Trump is up by 65. So sure. relative to Louisiana... Trump is relatively weak in Pennsylvania. This is the, the, again, it's, I'm sorry, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And this is very bad for all of us. Uh, It's very, very bad for all of us. And Joe Biden and Democrats and independents and Republicans are going to be asked to play perfect baseball and hope that the price of eggs doesn't go up by a dime. And then that the turnout is good. And then that also uh, a couple of secretaries of state in purplish uh, states do the right thing in order to save democracy again. And you know what? You know what? What? I am sorry. But on November 8th, 2024, if Joe Biden has just been declared the winner, do you know who the front runner for the 2028 Republican nomination is going to be? Because I do. Donald Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I don't know. Like, this is very bad. This is why, you know, I wrote about this yesterday. What depressed me the most wasn't the bad things the Republican debate. It was that there were some good things. This is not the case where, like, you know, voters just don't have any options. Like, there there were at least four, and if you want to be charitable, maybe five people on stage were all solid, plausible candidates for president whose politics might not be my politics or your politics, but are certainly at a, at a policy level arrayed very with good overlap with Republican voters. And those candidates are actively disliked by Republican voters. 
that's depressing as shit. Yeah. Like, I just, ugh. And, and you know what? They, they provide the illusion that the Republican Party, that a normal Republican Party still resides in there somewhere, right? You're like, because mm-hmm. people will, it, it's just, there's no way to get around it, right? Like, I can't help but talk about Nikki Haley uh, as, because I'm like, oh, well, look, like, but even if she gets, even if every other uh, semi-normie in the race dropped out and she were to consolidate all of it, she might break 20, Probably not. Probably no. lives in the teens. No. Uh, and so, like, Trump, and this is where I, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time, but it it's, Trump controls the base of the party, and the base of the party's really large, right? It's big enough in just about every state to win the primary. And so, as a result, the nominees we are going to get on the Republican side you can you and that's why that's where it's all an illusion is like yes do do these normie republicans still exist uh do they have that judgment and do they all do they go along with the crazy they do but like they exist and that's why at the essence of everything that we do politically for the rest of our time it is to move small margins of those people over into the only pro-democracy party that exists. Like there's only, the only option is to deliver sustained electoral defeats to this very dangerous, insane version of the Republican party. And to do that, you have to continue to persuade people who have sort of this Reagan hangover who are tribally Republican, that the Republican party that they joined does not exist anymore. Uh, and the problem is, is that that's going to have to chip away slowly, cycle after cycle, as these voters go, why, why are the candidates that I like uh, losing? Why, right? Because it does, because there are people in the primary field, they feel like they can attach to, it gives them the illusion that that party still exists when it doesn't. Well, I got good news for you. Soon we're going to have two parties who are nominally pro-democracy, and the other one will be no labels. And so we'll have Kirsten Cinema out there providing a nice home for these people so that these people don't have to give Joe Biden their votes. And, uh, you know, they'll help get Trump over the finish line in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Arizona. It'll be great. Maybe even Georgia, too. You want to talk about Trump's uh, surrender yesterday? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I... Uh, I took it as this is we make fun of him for treating everything as a performance. But on the other hand, uh, there are tremendous advantages to doing so. And unlike, you know, you put him look at his mugshot. Look at Charlie's newsletter this morning and you have all the mugshots together and, you know, like mopes like John Eastman look like they've just come out of an insane asylum. They have this like, you know, Professor Humperdinck expression <laughs> on their face. And Trump, who clearly had spent a lot of time workshopping this, and I'm sure they had test photos done. I am sure that his people knew exactly what the lighting setup was going to be for there. And he had his hair done differently than normal. Uh, he had his the exact tilt so that he got one half of the face in shadow. He had the, the and you know what? Like he gets an iconic fight. I hate him so much. He gets an iconic photo out of this, which he is gonna own 
and he's he, his people will own and love and there's no shame to it and it's defiant and i just oh it makes me so angry a 40 car motorcade or an 80 car motorcade what was that yeah tim tim noticed tim was like you know i Barack obama went out to to shoot some something and like it was like two chevy suburbans why why does this guy have like he's the fucking you know head of some petro state it's really what are your thoughts do you have well I, so i couldn't cheer tell. me up I mean, well, please cheer me up well that was especially bad because that looks like the state paid for it like that was like a georgia provided unless he paid well how would he do that i, I mean it just that's like your tax dollars uh i mean like let's presumably that show of force is necessary if you think somebody might assassinate him while you're doing it. But even then, you could probably do it with, like, five cars. Like, I don't know. Uh, The 80-car motorcade seemed a lot like overkill. And also, in this weird way, so I don't know anything. I just want to be clear. I have no idea why he got that. But, like, part of me was like, oh, is this the, like, police showing up for him? Like wanting to do a show of force on his behalf, Mr. Trump, uh, with tears in our eyes. Yeah, because <laughs> this is—it's an underappreciated sort of element that I—I don't—I don't think this uh, as I don't spend a lot of time fearing this, but I do sometimes worry about the level of Trump's support among rank and file sort of military folks F- like this is why the fbi like the the fbi coming after him is so stupid like rank and file fbi agents are like kind of on trump's side like sure. anybody anybody will tell you that there's a lot of love for trump uh within the rank and file of our police our sheriffs our uh military and so ugh, that was like my first thought when i saw it is like oh, are they doing this because they like him <sighs> I don't know. Um, the whole the whole thing was again dispiriting, and that's even leaving aside the we've all absorbed the reality that like you know he was just arraigned for a fourth time. He's running for president. He's he's going to be the presidential nominee with four criminal cases hanging over his head. At least one of which everybody understands is a slam dunk, right? I mean the the documents cases there is no defense on the documents case. There's no there's no there's a political ambiguity. There's, I mean, I guess, but he's just fucking guilty. Like everybody, like, he's just guilty. You know. Um, I can I, it's just can I go back to the debate for one second? One of the ahead. things that um, when they asked this question about Trump uh, and everybody said that they would support him, but there was also this defense of him. And one of the things that actually happened throughout the debate is how much Vivek got the lines off first. So he went to the mat for Trump on this two-tier justice system, weaponization, fire, 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 these purple. And DeSantis had his canned response, and it came a few minutes later, and it was basically just what Vivek said. Uh, And he delivered it with, you know, his, like, shouty little way. But I was like, "Mm, Vivek just said that. You know, like, you, he was getting, he was, his best sort of canned, I'm going to go defend Trump, uh, were, were all upstaged. And, like, he seemed like an also-ran when he got them out. Hey, did I see you say in Slack, I wanted to ask you about this, that the memo from his campaign was clearly a head fake? Yeah, I had said that on, I think, the show the week before. I was what like, do you mean? 
I mean that it was not real. It was not genuine. And it was intended to lower expectations and to awe, to make the other campaigns think that he was going to go in a different direction. I, I don't, I just don't, what direction I never did he believed. Go? Uh, no direction. No, well, no, he went aggressive and assertive and forward looking, right, on immigration and economic issues. He laid off the culture war stuff. He didn't attack Vivek. He defended Trump, but only sort of. Like, he didn't really defend Trump until he got pushed into it. He tried to be forward looking. Um, like, I, I mean, I think his strategy at the debate was basically okay. The problem is the execution because he's bad at this. Um, I also want to comment on this forward-looking thing because he does when it comes to Trump. What are we going to do? Are we going to litigate yeah. 2020, 2021 all over again? Uh, that would and be also, Democrats I would have fired Anthony Fauci. And also, also <laughs> let's litigate 2020, 2020 and 2021 on my record. Uh, so like his whole I'm forward-looking thing then ends up stepping on his pitch for himself, which is all backward-looking. Yeah. Uh, or his main critique of Trump. Uh, oh God, Anthony, you're fired. The I just Anthony, you're fired with the bobblehead. Yeah, his his bobblehead is uh, crazy. He, uh, I you know the the more I thought about DeSantis in the moment, I thought to myself, yeah, DeSantis did okay. Like again, no, didn't hurt help himself, didn't really hurt himself. I don't think that works for him. He needed more. The more I thought about it, the more I, I actually don't think he did very well. Um, like he didn't blow up on the launch pad, but it wasn't great, Bob. It wasn't great. It was not what he needed to, you know, propel himself forward. Like, yeah. a, even if he did no harm, like, the people who were already there for DeSantis might stay there for DeSantis. But also, you know, they might get a little wooed by Vivek. I'm not sure. I can't tell whether he's just going to stay the same or go down and get chewed into by Vivek. But either way, I don't think he goes up. Have you have you done any more focus groups since you and I talked last time? Yeah. So they Some did one yesterday. They did one yesterday uh, that I have not watched yet. Uh, that I'm actually frantically trying to uh, find. So in the group, must have been a weird group because I just got the... Uh, you know, one person thought uh, that <laughs> Mitch McConnell's a rhino. That comes up in a lot of focus groups. I'm just looking at the, the chatter. Uh, yes, Mitch uh, McConnell, rhino. Totally. So on, that, that scans. So I was asking, who do they think did well? Uh, and few Ramaswamy, few DeSantis. Tim Scott got negative reviews for not saying or doing much during the debate. Haley got a free shout out in the very beginning. One person likes Asa because he stayed out of the fray and just answered the questions. Uh, so here's, ooh, so here's the head to heads uh, or like how many people, who you'd vote for today in the primary. Trump four, DeSantis two, Asa one, Vivek two. So, uh, which, you know, in the focus groups, which you cannot treat like polling. Right. Um, but so the Asa one means that like, there was a, as there sometimes is, not often, but about half the time, there's like a very outspoken normie in the group who either likes Christie, Pence, Haley, like you show one person will like one of them. Right. Trump, 
usually gets half or more of the group, sometimes sometimes clean sweeps. Uh, but in this one, both DeSantis and Vivek are getting two. Um, and like, I guess- What's your screen on this? Was this Biden to Trump or two-time Trump? This is two-time Trump. Okay. Two-time Trump. Um, Sorry, Biden to Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, okay. So I have to go watch it to get- uh, I will have to go watch it. Um, but we just wanted a quick gut check and it sounds, it's just like, it's nothing earth shattering. Like uh, it's exactly what you'd think, except um, I mean, I think it is notable. And this has been happening now a little bit is there are these groups where Vivek is starting to just be on par with DeSantis and both people's impressions of him and, like they're they're Vivek curious, you know. They talk about Vivek the way they were talking about DeSantis like ten months ago. So, is is DeSantis going to go after him? Because it seems like he sure has to. Well, DeSantis. that's why I was asking you about the memo because the memo was very clear that attacking Ramaswamy was the play, and DeSantis Did DeSantis not do that wait, at all. no, he waited. He waited to get a question. He delivered his answer. And then otherwise didn't engage. Yeah. He didn't yeah. do any of the, I was mentioned in that answer because he wasn't mentioned. Uh, right. And like, he didn't fight for time. This is where the whole, I'm not sure that anyone in the history of the world has ever been more high on their own supply than DeSantis was when he did that God made a fighter. Uh, <laughs> and watching that guy swivel on his neck to see if other people were raising their hands before he did it was the most pathetic display and the thing is is like that happened fast so i'm not sure not sure if his voters clocked that but it's just like his ukraine answer it's just like his trump answers they are weak and cowardly hey again it's jvl the conversation goes on from there if you want to hear the rest of the show head on over to bulwark plus and subscribe we'd love to have you